Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher, addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Hello and welcome to another uh, episode of Faith and Family Fellowship. I am your host. My name is Chris Busher. I want to thank you again for uh, joining us on this podcast, listening to the previous nine episodes on this podcast, our first nine episodes, and today I'm excited to be able to talk to you um, about the topic of revival, what it truly means, and why this word is so special for me. Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity to go through and listen to the previous nine episodes, please do me a favor, do yourself a favor, Uh pause this podcast episode, go back, listen to it. All of these different episodes, um, specifically the ones where I'm not interviewing the different people, are leading up to this idea about who I believe Jesus is uh, and who Jesus really is to me and some real important topics. When I interview people, I'm interviewing different people that uh, they're experts in, in in the thing that they are doing in, in their field. Some of them have been following the Lord for a very long time. Uh, we interviewed uh, an older lady uh, who just published her very first book a few weeks ago, um, who spent her entire life dedicated to this one thing. Uh, we've interviewed Christian artists. We've interviewed uh, various different people, a, a missionary who's given everything to follow Jesus uh, to another country, and we have so much more lined up in the future. Um, and those are our interview-style ones, but then we also do these where I am just just talking to the microphone, talking to you uh, just the way you are, trying to be as real and as honest as possible um, with with the utmost integrity, um, but trying to really give you an idea of what it's like to be a Christian missionary, to be a Christian pastor, to be a Christian author, to, to be a Christian husband, um, just to give you a window in, into my life um, so you don't uh, go around with the impression that all Christian ministers, all Christian uh, uh, leaders are these perfect people that, that basically walk on clouds. And if maybe you are one of those people that are a Christian pastor, a Christian author, or someone in ministry of any type, or uh, maybe maybe you're able to relate to these, and that's why I do what I do here. That's why we are on episode number 10. So before I get any further into this topic of revival and what it truly means to me and why it's so special, please let, take a minute. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray over this podcast episode. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your love and for your mercy and for your generosity. God, I thank you for every gift that you've given me and all the times that you've walked with me. God, I thank you for the, the valleys that you have led me through. Um, Father, and for the mountaintops that you've used to encourage me to continue on. I thank you for the promises you've spoken over my life and for the ones that have yet to be fulfilled. God, we worship you and we love you. 
I pray a special blessing over this podcast episode that every single person that's that's listening to it, whether it's today or five, ten years down the road, whatever it is, Lord, Father, use this episode to minister to them right where they are and be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm talking about the topic of revival. Um, if you haven't listened to my previous podcast, maybe I didn't even mention this yet. I'm not quite sure. I'm just going to assume that I haven't. Um, I've actually done ministry now for uh, over a decade um, in different countries, but revival was a big topic of mine. Um, and actually, I was, was preaching yesterday morning to a bunch of my students on this very topic. Um, I got up at one o'clock in the morning, um, and it was kind of annoying for me because I needed to be up and start working uh, right and early that morning. And I wanted to just get down in my office, and I wanted to um, just be able to record the podcast episode as as the Lord was just ministering to my heart about this topic and putting a burden on this on this topic for me. Um, but I, I was prevented from doing that. Um, and I just kept, I just kept thinking about this topic and I wasn't able to sleep all night. And, uh, it, it turned out to be exactly what I needed. I needed to really sit back and think and reflect on this topic and remember, uh, why it was so important to me. Um, and then what exactly happened to me? I'm going to give you a spoiler alert and uh, be the first one to tell you that I do believe in revival. I believe in a lot of the revivals that happened in the past, um, but I'm not so convinced about a lot of these uh, new ways that we uh, use this word. Uh, so let me go ahead and just uh, just get right into it and, um, you know, you be the judge with it. So I... If if you remember from a previous episode, I was not always a believer in Jesus. I spent my youth um, as a drug addict, as a criminal, a person that was completely lost, far away from Jesus, um, in and out of different jails, just completely lost. Every every doctor in the state um, was telling me, you know, that I was a drug addict, a criminal, um, that I had mental disorders, you know, um, for you know. Uh, you know, just like uh, bi bipolar and, and different things like that. Uh, you know, and a lot of this, this was drug induced stuff. I mean, this, but th these were, these were different tags that I put on my life, uh, different things that I identified as. And then I just felt so lost and so hopeless. Uh, I came from a, a Catholic church background all the way from the time that I was an infant uh, until the time that I was 16. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I am not a Catholic basher at all. Um, I, Obviously, I have a completely different doctrine uh, than them, but uh, as a church, I have a lot of respect for the church history um, and some of the different things that they've done. I'll be the first to tell you as well that that church has done a lot of evil, evil, evil things, okay? Uh, but there's no perfect church out there. And I would probably wager with you and say that the Catholic Church has done a lot more good in its time around than probably any other Christian denomination out there. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, am I a Catholic? No, I'm not a Catholic. Uh, do I respect the, the doctrine of the Catholic Church? No, I'm sorry. I There's way too many holes in there that I do not agree with. Has the Catholic Church done a lot of evil stuff? Yes. Uh, just study history. You'll see it. But they have planted seeds and preserved a lot of different things that I believe are so important that would have just got lost 
Um, so that's that's my little uh, rabbit trail on that for you. Uh, but so just to give you an idea, Jesus was so distant for me. I didn't I didn't know you could have a real relationship with him, interact with him, follow God that way. I would learn about different saints that we were told were able to and that they did. But for me personally, I just I never felt like that was obtainable in any way at all. And then one day, um, when I was sitting in a courtroom about ready to be uh, sentenced to um, basically be put in a, a, a mental institution for a three-month evaluation at a minimum because, you know, you overdose on drugs, you know, three or four times in that uh, five-month period, you know, something's wrong with you type of deal. Uh, they gave me an option. They said, hey, you can go to this place. We're going to court commit you or... You can do what your family has been asking you to do for a long time and go to Teen Challenge. And I didn't really know anything about that place. Um, didn't really uh, want to do anything about that place. But, you know, it was a really Holy Spirit divine um, thing that happened. And we'll get into that in a different podcast. We don't need to talk about it today. Uh, but I went to that place and I, I truly surrendered. I truly gave up everything. Um I truly learned um, who Jesus is, and it was my real uh, foundation, if you will. It was uh, where I, I learned uh, what the gospel meant. It's where I learned uh, who Jesus was. It's where I learned a lot of what the Bible was, and it was what I had to ground me. Uh, it was so special. I remember being so innocent in the Lord. Um, just like a like a new baby, um, something something so new, something so beautiful um, and pure. I remember the feeling of being so pure, my faith being so pure, my motives being so pure. Uh, and if a song that would have probably described my heart um, and my desires uh, would be an old song. Of, you know, I say old. Uh, it was. I believe in the 90s, it was from Hillsong, um, and it was called You Said. And I remember the first time hearing this song was right as I was completing the Teen Challenge program and uh, starting to do missions work, um, wanting to learn how to be a missionary. And the song basically is about that God made this promise um, that if we, we ask that he'll give the nations to us, that he will send us. To, to distant shores and islands that that need to see God's light, and if you've never, if you've never heard this song, uh, just go to YouTube, type "You Said" by Hillsong, you'll find it. It's got millions of views. It's it's powerful. Some people don't like that older music, but um, a good throwback is good every now and then. And this this is the type of music that I really uh, was ministered to by as a new believer. But it really described my heart. I I had the purest of motives when I looked at it. Just I was so innocent in Jesus, so excited about Jesus. And charismatic Christianity stole my innocence. I don't know another way to say it. It, it stole my innocence, uh, little by little. And I want to just talk about that for a little bit because I believe that it truly um, shaped me um, into this idea. And so we're going to talk about uh, what that looked like, uh, how charismatic Christianity stole my innocence and, and completely reshaped me as soon as we come back from this word from our sponsors. 
You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Ready to jumpstart your career? Want an adventure of a lifetime? Uncle Sam's International is looking for language teachers who are highly motivated and have what it takes to grow and expand their thriving ESL school in Brazil. We need teachers for English, Spanish, Italian, and more. Visit Uncle Sam's International on Facebook today. Tired of no one seeing your Instagram posts? Have a product or service that's not getting the online attention it deserves? Ready to level up? At Busher's Social Media Marketing, we have just what you or your business have been looking for. Our team of dedicated professionals are ready to help you grow and engage your audience. No spam, no bots. Just good old-fashioned quality social media marketing. Visit Busher'sSMM.com today. It happened really slow. Um, You know, little by little, I was being exposed to this new idea um and and I wasn't really buying into a lot of it um I remember um going into this uh this bible school um and I don't want to you know bash their name but if you uh, look look up anything about me you'll you'll know which one I went to um and I'll be honest I'm I'm extremely grateful for this school for teaching the principles that I never learned before the school taught about what faith really looked like, and it was a whole new side of the coin that I've never even heard before. Um, and it, it's an important thing. I believe that the church really, truly needs to hear these principles about faith, stepping out in faith, walking out in faith. I mean, the idea of of faith and preaching faith is so important to me, and, and even today, uh, you know, Hebrews eleven one is is one of the scriptures that you know just I basically start out every message with. Uh, it's it's so important talking about faith, um, and but this school they took it to the extreme and they really uh, they really fell into the ditch of prosperity and and all of those things. And I believe in prosperity, guys. I believe that there are uh, principles in in the Bible that really do talk about it. But I also um, believe that the motives that most of these preachers are, are having when they are talking about prosperity and the way that they're doing it is uh, just completely insane, and I don't want to be part of that. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of struggled going through there, but I, I did it. And when I when I started my own ministry in, in 2011, I wanted to make something, um, you know, that kind of showed my heart, and so we called it Lay Me Down Ministry. And it, it was from, you know, the scriptures in the gospel where Jesus says that, that he lays down his life. Um, and he says it in various different times and very diff- various different places. You know, he says, the Father loves me because I lay down my life. I lay down my life for the flock. You know, he keeps talking about this idea of laying down his life and that his life is no longer uh, his own type of thing. And so our, our, our motto, I guess you could say, is my life is not my own, it's yours. Um, and that was our our message that we were uh, wanting to give to the world was that it's time to lay down our lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that didn't matter whether it was, you know, physically laying down your life or uh, emotionally, uh, financially, whatever it was, um, we had to all have the understanding as a body of Christ that our lives don't belong to ourselves, that they belong to Jesus Christ. 
And so we went to uh, Colombia, um, Brazil, Peru, uh, several places in the United States and in Canada, um, preaching this message about Jesus Christ. And, and I, I was really feeling, you know, like revival. Um, and I was just loving um, the idea of, of talking about revival. And that's what we that's what we called our meetings was let's have a night of revival. Let's have a few nights of revival. And we just we threw around this word a lot. Um, you know, we were young and that's what everyone else did. And uh, when we did uh, large events out in the streets, we called them crusades, you know, because that's what, you know, everyone else called them and didn't really think anything of it. And when I went to Pakistan, that's really where um, things took a turn for the worse for me. Um, I, I I saw things that um, I just I can't explain. We uh, we we were doing this what we what we called then a large crusade um, with this uh, group of this team that basically um, said that they know how to do it and they organized it and they, and they did a fantastic job. I'll I'll tell you that their organizational skills was just perfect. These were the same people that did it for Benny Hen. Um, I mean, <clears throat> these guys. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to organize the different buses to get people in, how to organize the tent, how to get security. And, and they did a a fantastic job on that side. Unfortunately, the translator, and I don't know if this team did this for the translator or if the translator uh, was acting alone, but um, I was preaching a message about Jesus Christ um, and salvation and laying down your life. wasn't even talking about anything else. Really, I mean, that was the 100% focus of my message, and I'm told that the translator was preaching something completely different. And I didn't find that out until about a week later when I was in a small town, uh, and they asked me why I was preaching about that, and I had no idea. I knew it it felt weird while we were um, doing this service um, out in the open mic. I was preaching about coming forward to receive Jesus, coming forward to embrace Jesus, coming forward to get prayer in Jesus' name. And I was on the right side uh, speaking to probably several thousand over there, you know, um, lining up praying. And on the left side was a few more thousand that were um, bringing money up to the altar and laying it down. Um, and the translator w- was standing there um, and I, I assume, okay, well, maybe this is um, part of the service. Maybe it's part of, um, you know, maybe they're taking a tithe or something. I just, I didn't know. I didn't really put a whole lot of focus in on it until afterward. And it, sh- it struck me as odd and everything. Um, but, you know, I was so focused on praying for, for these people that I didn't really have time to really go over there and see what was happening type of deal. But a week or so later, when I was in this uh, small town area of Godra, um, these people, they confronted me on it. Um, they were saying, hey, you know, why were you preaching about this over there? And why were you uh, taking this offering? Were you really going to be using that for the orphans? And I'm like, <clears throat> um, what are you talking about? Uh, and they explained to me what the translator was saying and what that offering was actually going for. And instantly i felt such shame and such conviction and i i couldn't believe that people would do this in jesus name and it really it destroyed me instantly it was like running into a brick wall 
um, smack dab, you know, not slowing down at all, just splat. And then they told me that there were different people that were planted in the audience uh, to fake being healed um, and to come up for prayer. And it really, really hurt me uh, knowing that people would would do that. Um, And, you know, I really don't know what to say about it except it really offended me and hurt me. I was, I was filled with such anger at the time and, and such hurt. Um, I didn't want to go back to these people. Um, I stayed in the town of Godra for the rest of the time. And these people in, in Godra, they were very simple people. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't, you know, have a lot of anything. And in fact, right before I got there a few months earlier, there was an attack. Um, a lot of the radical Muslims in the town. They went through burning down homes and killing people uh, over one of the, I guess, one of the people converted to Christianity and it sparked everything. So, I mean, these people, they had they had nothing to gain um, from accepting Jesus Christ. There was, there was nothing to gain, but at the same time, there was everything to gain. And they, they taught me um, about real faith in Jesus, about really laying down their lives for Jesus. And it really, it kind of inspired me to, to keep mo- moving forward. It really inspired me saying, you know, even though, even though there's might be a lot of bad out there, even though there might be a lot of bad people out there, especially inside of the church, there are still a lot of good people. There are still a lot of real, genuine people. And as, as the years continued, I would go to uh, Kenya and I would go to a few other countries and eventually land in Brazil and work with uh, the Assemblies of God in Brazil. And the Assemblies of God in Brazil is unlike any other in any place of the world, I guess, um, for the Assemblies. It, it's huge down there. It is the dominant denomination. And they run it uh, very much like a hierarchy. They run it very much like a business. And as the as the years would continue down there, I would continue to uh, be promoted in, in different areas. And, and you can say, I guess, I, I kind of rose above in many different areas, uh, um, just continuing to get larger and larger opportunities and, and having meetings um, with uh, some of the big name people, including uh, the president of, of the denomination and then the vice president as well, who's now the president as well. Just a, a lot of... A lot of politicians and a lot of a lot of church leaders and and I noticed a common denominator in these people. The great majority that I met, um, you know, some of them were were excellent and good people, but the great majority that I met that were in really top leadership, I I, I felt really sorry for. Um, I don't really know how else to say it. I knew that they would talk about a time when they really truly loved Jesus that they how they met Jesus and how Jesus uh, truly changed their lives and then I would see what they were doing now Um, some of them including um, my uh, previous senior pastor uh, down there was um, caught smuggling or embezzling I guess um, more than uh, a million hey eyes Um, you know just uh, you know stuff like that 
little, little things that turn into very, very big things. And I, I wasn't a part of it, but I guess standing next to the people made me a part of it. If you know what I mean, it, it made it look like I condoned it. Um, even though I didn't know about it until afterward, it just really began to shake everything that I, that I once thought was true and that I once thought was, was pure and, and everything about this, um, throughout many different times. I mean, I could go on story after story after story of the different letdowns that I've had in, in, in Christianity, especially when it came to a lot of leaders. And it's, and it's because I, I put them on, on pedestals. I, I looked up to them and I said, this person's different than me. This person has um, some type of closer connection to God than I do, or this person has uh, something something different that I really truly want in my life. Uh, and and all the time I didn't I didn't realize that these people are human. They're they're just like me, and that that's what scared me even more. I looked at you know where they started and then where they are now, and I found myself somewhere in the middle, and I was like, I don't want to become this, and if I stay going down this way on the outside pretending everything is okay but on the inside you know a dead man now uh bitter with with the way things are happening uh, offended by the different uh, forms of christianity that i've that i've been seeing and all of these different things and, and just feeling so lost and helpless and not being able to tell anyone because I had this image to to present to continue being a pastor and and all of these different things just just this internal turmoil uh, I I felt so so lost on the inside I can't I can't describe it any other way just knowing that if I didn't make a change and make a change just now instantly that that's what I would become that I would I'd become one of those wolves, I guess, if you could say, um, you know, someone that just hardens themselves to the point where they just have no more conscience at all. And I knew I needed to make a radical change before I ever let that even come close to happening. And I guess in the middle of, you know, these months and, and the years, I guess, that we're leading up to almost this emotional, spiritual breakdown, um, God really began to give me true revival and it's not like you know uh an instant you know snap the fingers boom everything is good it's god began to place this huge burden on me for something real to truly discover personally in my life how do i know what is what is real and what is genuine and and how do i know that i truly want to serve him and and that's how that's how real revival begins. It it begins with this burden um, based in somebody's life, just placed there, and just 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 you know overcoming the person in in so many ways until the person isn't able to basically do anything else. It's just constantly just focused on this idea, praying about this idea, and and through a period of time of of doing that, just going into this deep anguish with the Lord over this idea is when revival truly sparks and it sparks individually in a person. Um, and then if you, if you look at, at history, whenever a large revival happens, it begins that way and it happens to a few other people and they come together and then, you know, it just really spreads like wildfire. And I'm not saying this is what's happening here with me. What I am saying is I am experiencing 
true revival that is taking over a year now to even get to a place where, where I can even talk about it. Um, and it comes from looking back at my foundations, looking back at what really focused me, what really centered me, um, you know, and that's the cross of Jesus Christ. When I, when I look back at why I fell in love with Jesus, what about it that really, truly made me fall in love with him and give my life to him? It was, it was the cross. It was everything pure and simple about Christianity. Everything that I, that I wanted in my life could be found right there in the cross. And that's where it is. That, that thing right there, the thing that the, that the Romans violently plowed right into the ground where Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth, that right there, that, that beauty, that, that violence, that destruction, just the, the, the horribleness and yet the beauty of it all together, that's what holds me together. That's what keeps me balanced on the right and on the left um, between uh, being a frozen chosen or a charismatic nut, you know, finding myself somewhere right there in the middle um, where I can say I have a, a charismatic faith in Jesus Christ and that I'm willing to give anything to follow him and take large steps of faith with him uh, in the appropriate way uh, according to the scriptures. And even Paul, even Paul, he said so many times that, that he, he resorts himself and, and focuses himself on preaching one thing and one thing only, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's my message to the world, and that's my message that's always going to be to the world is the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want to read uh, for you um, something that, that I read uh, while I was preaching yesterday to my students, um, just because it was, it's, it so describes what I'm trying to say here. And this is it's found in Mark 16. Um, it's the last chapter. It's the ending of, of the Gospel of Mark. And it's after the crucifixion um, on the day of, of the resurrection. Um, and it starts out right here. Um, we're going to be reading starting in verse nine. And again, I'm, I'm reading from the, from the NIV. I'm reading from the ESV version, which stands for English uh, Standard Version. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him, and they mourned and they wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and they told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven, eleven themselves as they were reclining at a table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart, because they had not believed who they saw when they said after they had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to all of creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. In my name they will cast out many demons, they will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. They will drink any deadly poison and it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord, after he spoke this to them, was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and they preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. There is so much 
in that little passage there from verses 12 to 19 that we could talk about for hours, but I just want to just focus on a couple things here. We're, um, the very the very first thing is Jesus, he appeared to, to several different people, um, and it talks about a few different ones right at the beginning uh, where he just reveals himself to them. And these people, they went and they told the disciples, you know, our, our founders of Christianity, if you will, the ones that Jesus, you know, told, told that, hey, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to rise again, you better believe this type of thing. Uh, and, and these witnesses, they came to them and said, I saw it, it happened, it's real. And the disciples were like, no. No, it's not real. You're you're mistaken. Don't don't play with my emotions. This isn't real. I just saw my best friend die. It's not happening. It's not real. And we see two different situations here very clearly in scripture where this same thing happened to them and they just wouldn't believe it at all. And then on the third time uh, that we have documented here, Jesus himself goes to the 11. And what does he do? He rebukes them for their unbelief in the hardness of heart. And and I think about that, and, and it kind of, you know, at first it really shocked me. I'm like, Jesus' first thing that he does isn't hug them, isn't say, you know, hey, how are you doing? It's it's a rebuke. It's, I told you that, you know, this is what's going to happen. You were with me for so many months before this. Everything leading up to this, you should have believed me, and you wouldn't do it, even though I sent others to you. And they wouldn't believe it. You know what that tells me about Jesus is even though um, it might be impossible um, for us to do, I mean, to believe that someone would who had died in that type of way, and we'll talk about the crucifixion in future podcasts, um, but to believe that someone could rise again from that, even though it might be impossible to even conceive, Jesus still expected it of them. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, it would have been impossible. Uh, you and I, we have expectations from Jesus. Jesus has expectations on us for our lives, and without the help of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. Um, and, you know, that's that's free right there <laughs> for you. Uh, but he rebukes them, uh, and then he he told them to, to believe the message, and then he gives them this great commission. He says, you know, go out in the world, proclaim the gospel to all of creation. And this is, you know, any missionary, they'll be able to tell you this by heart. Um, some might even have it tattooed on their body or at least have it written on their heart. I mean, this is our message here that we we preach the gospel to all of creation. We baptize them in Jesus' name. Um, and the thing that I want to really camp out on here is because I believe this is where we see true revival happening. Uh, even though their heart was hardened, even though their faith was, was just completely shooken, um, just like my faith started to get shooken and on the inside I was just feeling so dead inside, uh, with the moment that Jesus speaks to our heart, the moment that, that anointing uh, just comes on us in a new, fresh way, everything's made new again, and he gives us a commission and he says, go, go tell the world, go preach the gospel. And we see a formula here that I think, you know, our modern Christians may have forgotten. Um, it says, go into the world, preach the gospel to all of creation. And it talks about, you know, you preach the gospel, you preach the gospel, you preach the gospel, and then these things happen. I've done a lot of events in a lot of places where they want me to uh, do like a Holy Spirit night 
or have an special event that's specific about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of this stuff. And and I'm sorry, I just I don't do it. Um, I, I, I just do not do it because I do not believe in it. And when I say I don't believe in it, don't think I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Don't think I don't believe in tongues. I do believe in these things. The Bible is very clear about it. What I don't believe in is putting the focus on the gifts rather than Jesus itself. The Bible very clearly shows us the example right here. You preach the gospel, you preach the gospel, you preach the gospel. And when you preach the gospel, then Jesus will confirm it with these signs and these wonders. We don't do it the opposite way. In our world, you know, we have this McDonald's generation that we want everything hot, fast, and cheap. We want to skip the gospel, you know, or minimize it to a, to a fraction in the message and then focus on all the benefits of it. Focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Focus on all this other stuff. And that is not the way at all that it should be. And that is why we probably have a lot of people out there that do the type of things that, that happened to me when I was in Pakistan ministering with these type of people. It is not the way that it should be. We preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, miracles, signs, wonders, and most importantly, true revival begins to happen. And this last verse here, I just want to encourage all of all of the listeners uh, to this podcast with this last verse right here. It says, you know, when Jesus had spoken these things, he was taken up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and they preached everywhere. What, what did they preach everywhere? They preached the gospel. They preached the gospel everywhere. And right here it says, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message. Jesus worked with them. Uh, the Holy Spirit worked with them. It, it, they didn't work for God. God worked with them. It's it's a beautiful commission that we have when we take that step of faith, that that real true genuine charismatic faith, whatever you want to call it, you take that step of faith and you come to somebody and you you proclaim the gospel message, you you share with them your faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit does something. It moves on that person's heart in such a powerful, dramatic way. And when you do this type of thing, when you do it genuinely, uh, when you just really just bury your heart and your whole soul to a person in the name of Jesus, just with the sole focus of getting them to know Jesus Christ, then these miracles happen. If you're listening to this podcast today and maybe you don't know who Jesus is, I encourage you look up who Jesus is, uh, look up to the skies, ask God, say, God, who are you? Who are you and why did you make me? Uh, find find a pastor friend, uh, find find uh, some a believer that you might know. Or, you know, if you don't have any of that, uh, please send me a message. I have someone on Facebook right now sending a message as, as we speak who I've been uh, ministering to the last few days. Uh, he was a person that completely hated Jesus, and his first message to me was uh, about how big of a hypocrite Christians are. And after a couple days, he just sent me a message saying that he wants to know Jesus Christ. Uh, and I can't wait to respond to this person. God is so good when we are real and we are genuine. So if you are listening today, please, please do not be offended by, by any preacher that might have done something wrong or any minister that might have done something wrong to you. Uh, all all of us, we are human. All of us make mistakes. But God is good. God is, God is more than enough. 
And he is real and he is genuine and he is looking for you and he is looking to revive you. If you are a minister that is, uh, has been going through just this pain and this suffering internally, do not be afraid to be real with people. Do not be afraid to lose your, your, your position because you're being too honest about the gospel of Jesus. Take a stand of faith. Join with me and just say Jesus is real no matter what I lose in this world. I want to thank you guys. God bless you, and I'll see you again next week for another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.